medications because sometimes people do have chemical imbalances in their brains which cause depression and sometimes it's situational depression you know what I mean for me I was going through a lot of things when I was younger I had a hard time making friends you know I went to a new school there were a lot of things that contributed to my depression it wasn't just uh some chemical change in my body but um you know you have to fight these things and sometimes people with depression think that you can cure your your depression and um, I don't necessarily think you cure it but you fight it you find things that make you happy whether it's a job whether it's a relationship whether it's friendships whatever it is find something that makes you happy and um that's one of the keys to a better overall life and um you know health is wealth you know that's a very very true statement i think if i had an opportunity some people would choose money over health i think i'd much rather have 100% health than um have money i mean let's be honest here would you want to be in a wheelchair no disrespect to anybody that's handicapped or is in a wheelchair but let's say you have two legs right now and you can walk perfectly fine would you trade being able to walk for for having a billion dollars i wouldn't i'd rather be poor and have both of my legs and be able to walk as opposed to having a billion dollars and being disabled somehow you know and, and god bless everybody that has some type of disability like that i'm not trying to put anybody down but i'm just saying health is wealth and um your health is your most important concern sometimes so put your health first you know what i mean and um wh- whatever the situation is put your health first and uh, one of the hard things about and you know fighting some type of inflammatory bowel disease or things like that is the, the number one enemy is is grains and unfortunately when we were in school we learned in our food pyramid that the, the biggest food you're supposed to consume is grains. You know, that's supposed to be the bottom of your food pyramid. But really what should be at the bottom of your food pyramid is carbohydrates because carbohydrates is how your body fuels itself. You know, and um, one of the problems with this is carbohydrates require a lot of sugar. And uh, basically sugar turns into carbohydrates in your body. A lot of people don't know that. Or it turns into fat. But um, a lot of grains and things like that are actually, you know, can be bad for your body like wheat. It's a very powerful inflammatory food, and it can cause a lot of damage to your body. But what you have to do if you have an inflammatory bowel disease is you have to find ways to replace these grains. And it's not always easy. That's the hardest part about dealing with a disease like that. It's not always easy. And, um, you know, there's not a lot of options. There's, it's very hard to find things that are gluten-free sometimes. Now you'll see a lot of restaurants, they'll have gluten-free options for foods or for bread and things like that. And a lot of times those gluten-free breads aren't even necessarily good for your body either, which is unfortunate. Sometimes they can have preservatives in them. Sometimes they can have, you know, unnatural ingredients. They can have artificial flavors and colorings and things like that. And some, so it, it gets very complicated. But as far as, as far as, um, as far as, uh, glu- you know, grains and things like that for people to consume that have inflammatory bowel disease, unfortunately, this is something I don't have a lot of answers for. Um, the only thing I would recommend is a gluten-free oatmeal. I always eat an organic gluten-free oatmeal. And uh, you can find this. It's not always easy to find, but I always eat that. But the problem there is that you have to pour a lot of, you know, to give it any type of flavor, you have to, um, you have to, you have, you have to use a lot of sugar. Or, you know, I use maple syrup and things like that. And uh, unfortunately, sugar is one of the worst things for people with inflammatory bowel diseases because sugar, you know, it creates bacteria in your body. 
And um, sugar is not always good for you. And, uh, it, you know, so it's, it gets very complicated. It's not an easy thing to control having some type of gastrointestinal disease or inflammatory bowel disease or something like that. It gets very complicated. So um, try to limit the amount of sugar you, you take intake in your body if you have a, a inflammatory bowel disease. And once again, I'm not a doctor. I'm just, you know, telling you what I recommend. I can't give you medical advice because I'm not a medical professional. I can only give you my advice from my experiences. And um, so I would recommend trying to cut out a lot of the sugars in your body. And it gets complicated because you need sugar to survive. That's one thing too. Don't ever let somebody who's telling you about a diet that you need certain things, you know, you, you don't need certain things to survive. You always need sugar to survive. Your body needs fat to survive. Your body needs carbohydrates to survive. Your body needs, you know, protein to survive. Your body needs all these things. So don't ever think that your body doesn't need um, a certain certain aspect to it. Like your body needs everything to function and survive. And, um, you know, certain people with inflammatory bowel diseases, they even don't even recommend eating. For some, some people, not, I'm, I, don't, I don't want to make a generalized statement here. Some people don't even believe in eating certain fruits because fruits have sugar in them. For me, I think it's okay to eat certain fruits, but um, you should you should probably limit the amount of fruits that you eat. Um, for me, I would recommend a lot of berries. Berries, a lot of people highly recommend berries for anti-inflammatory diseases and things like that. Um, excuse me for inflammatory diseases. Um, you know, blueberries are very good for you. They're very high in antioxidants. Um, a lot of some people actually believe that blueberries are like the cure for a lot of diseases in their body. There's a lot of stories of people that have eaten, you know, thousands of blueberries a day and they've cured themselves of a lot of health issues and things like that. Berries are extremely good for you. Strawberries are very good for you. Blueberries are very good for you. I couldn't tell you exactly why. I know that they have certain vitamins in them, but the main thing is it's an antioxidant, meaning it helps your body filter out certain toxins and poisons and things like that. So all berries are very, very good for people with Crohn's disease. And this is a very generalized statement because everybody's body reacts differently to fruits and things like that. So, you know, you could talk to one person that has, you know, stomach issues and they could tell you, oh, I, I can't eat blueberries. They'll make me really sick. And then you could talk to another person who swears by blueberries and says the blueberries have helped them in their lives. And um, so it, it gets very complicated because everybody's body reacts differently to things. And, um, but I, from my personal experience, I would highly recommend eating blueberries, strawberries, any type of berry. Really, they have a lot of different health benefits and things like that. And um, one, of the interesting, one of the interesting things, too, is that, you know, my body rejects a lot of green leaf vegetables and things like that. My body never really rejects fruit like that. Um, my body usually processes blueberries pretty well. I mean, sometimes I have some whole blueberries or chewed up blueberries in my stools. But for the most part, my body, you know, takes them pretty well. But what I might start doing is I might start putting blueberries in a smoothie just to have some more flavor and just so my body can digest them a little bit easier. That might be one thing I might add to my diet. Um, I guess another fruit that's controversial in the inflammatory bowel disease world is uh, bananas. You know, bananas have, um, have a lot of different health benefits. They're very high in potassium. But bananas are very high in fiber, and people that have some type of inflammatory bowel disease or some type of stomach issue, it's going to cause a lot of problems for your digestion if you eat something that has a lot of fiber in it. 
and bananas have a lot of fiber in them. So what I recommend is if you really like bananas, but you have stomach issues, I would wait till the bananas become extremely ripe. So you see black dots all over the bananas to the point where they're almost, you know, not, not rotten. Obviously you don't want to eat a rotten banana, but to the point where if I don't eat this banana by tomorrow, it's going to be rotten. Or if I don't eat this banana in two days, it's going to be rotten. And um, I wish I had more information on this, but one thing that I did learn, I don't know the, the technical names and things like that, but when bananas start developing those black spots, it releases a chemical that fights cancer, supposedly. So a lot of people have started to eat their bananas when they become extremely ripe because it contains some type of chemical that helps fight cancer, supposedly. So I would highly recommend that. Um, you know, not eating your bananas when they're just yellow. Wait till the skin turns very, you know, starts getting black spots everywhere. That's when you should eat the bananas. If you have some type of inflammatory disease or, you know, just in general, you know, even if you don't, because once they start developing those black spots, you know, it contains a chemical that supposedly fights cancer. So why not? You know, to me, bananas taste better when they're really ripe anyways. They taste a lot sweeter. Some of the fiber is kind of, you know, pushed out. So why not? You know, why not? Um, I really enjoy citrus fruits as well. I enjoy eating oranges and things like that. And um, be careful with, with juices, though. That's one thing I will say, too. Be careful with juices because juices contain a lot less fiber. Um, I'm actually, you know, it's funny. I'm actually not a fan of juicing. A lot of people swear by juicing. I don't, I don't believe in juicing. And, um, you know, people could tear me apart for this. They could say, I don't know what I'm talking about. That's fine. But for me, I don't believe in juices. And the reason why is that... Number one, juices are very high in, in, uh, in uh, sugar. And then number two, when you use like a really powerful, you know, press that, you know, wipes out all of the skin of the, of the fruit or the vegetable, and it's just the liquid, you're not getting that essential fiber. And I know I kind of just contradicted myself because I just said that, you know, bananas, you should eat bananas when they have less fiber. And fiber can be hard for people to digest with inflammatory bowel diseases. But um, you still need fiber at the end of the day. And uh, if you put if you put a fruit or vegetable into a blender, um, you know you're still gonna get that fiber because you know the, the the pieces of skin of the vegetable or the fruit aren't going anywhere. They're just being chopped up by the blade in the blender. Whereas if you use like a really powerful you know press that just eliminates all of the all of the skin of the of the vegetable, whether it's celery, whether it's oranges or whatever it is, you're not getting as much fiber and you're getting a lot of sugar and you're getting a liquid into your body. And I honestly don't think it's that good for you. I would recommend a blender over some type of juice presser that removes the skin or the, you know, the, the primary part of the fruit or vegetable any day. So I'm a big fan of blenders, old school glass blenders. And um, let's see, what else can I talk about with inflammatory bowel disease? Another controversial thing is caffeine. Um, Caffeine can cause a lot of inflammation in the body. A lot of people think that certain things are good for you. Some people think that coffee is very good for you because it's an antioxidant. Um, a lot of people think that, you know, tea is really good for you because it's an antioxidant. And um, I think there's truth to that. I just think that from my experience, caffeine can be pretty hard on your body, especially if you have inflammatory bowel disease. But this gets complicated too because we live in a, in a cutthroat environment, you know, and a lot of these jobs you know, you have to be able to function extremely fast and be able to think quick. And obviously caffeine is going to help you with that. Um, from my experience, I would recommend, you know, if you have some type of inflammatory bowel disease, I would recommend, you know, uh, I would recommend green tea over, over coffee because for me, I notice coffee makes me 
you know, it causes a lot of joint pain for me and uh, it, it makes my body kind of react differently. So I would recommend green tea over coffee. You know, it, it just depends how your body reacts to it. You know what I mean? Everybody's body is different. That's another thing. I think I've mentioned it in this podcast, but I want to make sure I mention it again is that, you know, everybody's body is different. What works for me may be completely different for you. You know, for me, I like blueberries. You might eat blueberries and it might make you really sick. You know what I mean? Everybody's body is different. So unfortunately, it's a lot of trial and error when you're dieting and things like that. And what might work for one person may not work for you. You know what I mean? One person might love eating meat and they might feel great when they eat meat. And another another person might eat meat and they might become very sick or, you know, gain weight. So everybody's body is different, unfortunately. It's, it's a bit, you know, everybody's body is an individual science experiment. You know what I mean? You have to find what works for you and what doesn't. Um, I guess one other thing I want to talk about with meats. I know I'm jumping all over the place. I went from meats to fruits to vegetables. But just bear with me. We're going to cover a lot of different things with food in this podcast. Um, one thing I've noticed, too, when I eat chicken... It's not organic. I feel really sick, you know what I mean? Because a lot of those chickens are fed, you know, antibiotics and things like that. And those chickens are fed growth hormones and things like that. And if the, if the chickens are not, you know, from an organic farm. So when I eat organic chicken, I feel a lot better. I remember I ate organic chicken and I felt great. Usually when I eat chicken, I feel kind of sick to my stomach. And I think that's because of the antibiotics and growth hormones that they use on these chickens in non-organic farms. So... If you like chicken, I would recommend eating organic chicken. For me, I notice a difference immediately. Um, it might not be the same for everybody. Um, but um, that's what I would recommend is eating organic chicken as opposed to regular chicken. If you eat meat, if you like meat. Um, one other aspect I'm going to get into now too. Another thing that's big in the health world now is something called bone broth. And basically what this is, is taking the bones off of an animal... And um, obviously after it's after it's been killed, I don't want to sound crazy like I'm taking bones off of a live animal or something sick like that. But you take it, you know, obviously take an animal after it's been slaughtered, after the meat has been prepared. You take the, the bones out of, you know, a piece of chicken meat or a piece of, you know, cow meat or something like that. You take those bones and what you do, you unfortunately, you have to scrape off all the fat. If you don't scrape off all the fat, it's going to taste really bad and uh, it's going to it's probably going to make you sick because your body is not going to be able to, to, you know, digest that pure fat after it's been boiled down like that. But you have to scrape off all the fat of the, of the bone or of the chicken bone or the, the, the beef bone or the, you know, the goat bone or whatever type of meat that you're eating. You take the bones, you place them in a crock pot and you let it simmer for 48 hours, sometimes 72 hours, depending on how you want to do it. And um, sometimes 24 hours, depending on how you want to do it. And what it does is it breaks down the bones. It breaks down the minerals in the bones, and it turns it into a liquid. And uh, it's it's very, very rich in a substance called L-glutamine. And it really helps your joints. And uh, it'll give you a lot of energy. And uh, I've noticed a lot of of, uh, good energy comes to me when I drink this. But I would recommend being very careful with this stuff because... Uh, if you if you take something that's very high in L-glutamine, sometimes it can increase your heart rate. For me, I remember I drank too much bone broth one time, and my heart was beating pretty fast, and I was sweating really hard. And because um, your body's not used to taking that much L-glutamine, so I would recommend if you do make a bone broth, just sip it with a spoon or something after it's cooled down for 40, you know, after you've, you've simmered it in a crock pot for 48 hours. 
or 72 hours with the lid on, of course, is uh, just sipping it with like a spoon and seeing how your body reacts after taking a couple tablespoons because it is powerful. It's a, it's a liquid, very high in L-glutamine, which is one of the seven essential amino acids for your body. And um, so just be careful when you take it. I would not recommend drinking, uh, you know, large amounts, but I would recommend starting off with a couple tablespoons and our, maybe a small bowl, maybe, you know, adding some, you know, some, you know, some noodles to it or whatever it is that you want to eat. You can drink it, you can drink it uh, straight in a glass or you can mix it in some type of soup with like maybe some carrots or some celery. But um, I would recommend trying this because it, it can be very good for your body. Uh, just, you know, use small amounts, of course. Um, and one of the things people like to add to their bone broth is celery, which is another thing I want to get into. One of the things I have not tried in the, you know, the gastrointestinal diet community for people that are trying to fight inflammatory bowel diseases is a lot of people swear by celery. And I don't know why. I don't know what's so good about celery, but I'm going to try it because I tried eating celery once and actually made me really sick. But I cooked it and I sauteed it in an olive oil and um, it just tasted really disgusting and it made me really sick. But people really recommend juicing celery. So I'm going to experiment with this when I get my next paycheck. I'm going to I'm going to try uh, some people have actually claimed that juicing, not ju yeah, of course, this goes back to my argument about juicing and blending. But some people have said that, you know, juicing or, or using, you know, celery in a blender has literally cured them of inflammatory bowel diseases. And um, once again, I can't say this is true because I'm not a doctor or anything like that. I'm not a medical professional, but I'm going to give it a try. I have never tried it because I have one bad experience with eating celery. I sauteed it. And it tasted horrible and actually made me really sick. So I'm going to try this again. I'm going to boil the celery for 20 minutes after I chop it up. And then I'm going to put it into a blender. And then I'm going to drink it. And I'm going to see how my body feels. And then I'm going to try just, uh, you know, blending raw celery and see what happens. Because why not? You know what I mean? There's, there's so much praise about, you know, blending or, or juicing celery and the effects it has on your body. So I'm going to give it a try. That's one thing I've not tried in the health community. But... Um, for the most part, all dark green leaf vegetables are very good for you. Um, you know, you know whether you have inflammatory bowel disease or not, I would recommend doing those. But once again, it goes back to how you prepare it. I recommend boiling all vegetables for 20 minutes if you have some type of, you know, digestive problem or gastrointestinal disease. I recommend boiling it for 20 minutes at least. And um, one of the other foods to be careful with if you have an inflammatory bowel disease is um is uh, carrots uh, and not just carrots but roots in general you know what i mean uh you know beets are very very hard on my stomach i don't like eating beets i've cooked beets for 30 minutes for an hour to see if it you know broke down the fiber the digestion for whatever reason my body does not tolerate beets well some people cook their beets in vinegar and that's one thing i have not tried you know obviously vinegar is acidic you know juice and it can break down um the juices, you know, can break down in your, you know, certain foods in your body. And I think that's the only reason why I tried beets one time and it didn't make me sick was I think that the beets were cooked in some type of vinegar or something like that. And then I'm not even a fan of that because the vinegar can wipe out a lot of the vitamins and nutrients in foods. So I just stay away from beets. Beets do have a lot of good health benefits. They help your blood circulate um, and things like that. But for me, Beets have always made me sick. They've made my stomach upset. So I stay away from them. 
Um, I can I can eat carrots, but carrots have to be cooked, you know, for a long time for me to eat them. And um, I'm not sure how many of those vitamins are still left in, in the in the carrot after you put them in the oven for, you know, 30 minutes or an hour or whatever. But carrots do taste great, and I do enjoy carrots if they're cooked. But eating raw carrots makes my stomach very upset. I wouldn't recommend eating any type of raw vegetable, really, if you have an inflammatory bowel disease. Um, I know that fruits are um, are different for me. For me personally, fruits are different because, um, for whatever reason, my body digests fruits very well, thank God, because I love fruit. And um, it's not the same as vegetables. So... Um, I, I would, you know, for me, I can eat raw fruits, which is interesting. I can't say the same for everybody with Crohn's disease, but for me, fruits help me a lot with my body. Um, another good fruit is a pineapple. Pineapple is extremely good for Crohn's disease. It's high in a chemical called uh, brom- bromelain or something like that, which is really good for your body. Pineapples are really good for you. I would highly recommend eating pineapple if you have some type of inflammatory bowel disease. Basically, all, honestly, for me, this is just for me personally. I can't speak for anybody else. Like I said, I'm not a medical professional, so I can't give advice or make claims about what foods will, you know, will cure your body or things like that. But um, for me, I think that all fruits are extremely good for your body if you have some type of inflammatory disease. Now, it just depends because this could be different for anybody. Like I said before, there's certain people that have inflammatory bowel diseases and they can never eat fruit. Like fruit will make them really sick. So it just depends. It really just depends on how how your body reacts to these things. Thank God my body can tolerate fruits, so I would recommend fruits. If you can't eat fruits or fruits make you sick, I would recommend putting them in a blender. Or, yeah, I, I would just recommend putting them in a blender because some people say you should eat canned fruits. But for me, canned fruits are high usually in corn syrup or fructose corn syrup. And that contains a lot of sugar and art- sometimes artificial flavors. So I, w- I wouldn't recommend eating canned fruits, unfortunately, even though they taste really good sometimes. I would recommend just trying to put your fruits in a blender, making a smoothie out of it, maybe with some coconut milk or some water, or just nothing at all, just the juice of the fruit and you know the, the, you know, the, the, the whole part of the fruit as well, and seeing if that helps you, you know what I mean? And um, one of the really sad parts about having an inflammatory bowel disease is a lot of people have to have surgery and um, thank God I fought the surgery and I never, ever had any type of surgery on my stomach. Thank God. And if you have, I respect you. I salute you. You're a warrior. But um, I would recommend fighting this as much as you can. And um, once again, I'm not a medical professional. So if you're in a situation where you think you need surgery, you have to talk that over with your doctor, your surgeon. But what I will recommend is, you know, trying to fight the surgery as much as you can because... It can um, cause a lot of problems. And um, a lot of people that have had surgeries on their stomach, they're never, ever the same, and it's really sad. I know a lot of people that have had parts of their colon cut out or things like that, and their body's just never the same. They eat the wrong foods, and they have to go to the hospital and have the foods removed from their stomach. And it just causes a, a big chain reaction of, you know, things. Your body is not meant to go under the under the blade and have certain parts of your body cut up. Uh, for the most part... One thing I've learned about life is surgery is very, very dangerous. Um, that's obviously a given, but you should avoid surgery as much as possible because surgery can cause a lot of problems, particularly in your stomach. For me, I was blessed that I never had any surgery on my stomach. 
So that's probably one of the reasons why, even though I have an inflammatory bowel disease, I can still eat like, you know, raw fruits and not get sick or things like that. Whereas some people that probably have had surgery, if they eat, you know, a raw fruit, they might get extremely sick and have diarrhea on the toilet for 30 minutes. So please, if you're in a situation like that, where you think you need surgery, please see as many doctors as you can, not just regular doctors, go see, you know, natural doctors, holistic doctors, try out different diets, you know, try out different things, try to avoid the surgery as much as possible because once you go under that blade, you're never gonna be the same. And there's thousands and thousands of people, like probably more than that, probably maybe even tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of people that have, you know, had some type of stomach issue and they've changed up their diet and now they're in a much better place and they've avoided surgery. So don't think that it can't be done, you know what I mean? Um, you know, get your get your blood tested, see what, you know, what foods have certain vitamins that your body's missing. Um, you know, get some allergy testings done. Sometimes, you know, you can get really sick just from eating foods that you're allergic to and you might not even know you're allergic to these foods. For me, I ate peanut butter my whole life and, you know, I had allergy testing done on my body maybe five years ago, 10 years ago, and I found out I was allergic to, you know, peanuts. And I was like, oh my God. So I stopped eating peanuts. And, um, you know, I noticed, now that I look back at it, I'm like, peanuts do kind of hurt my joints a little bit, but I never would have known I was allergic to it until I got that test done. So get some allergy testing done on your body as well. And um, there's a couple other things I want to talk about with having an inflammatory bowel disease is, um, one of the first things is there's people that believe that you can cure your body of, you know, any type of, you know, inflammatory bowel disease by, you know, it's called sealing your gut, meaning you take things because when you have like, say, Crohn's disease or something, you have microscopic holes in your in your lining of your stomach, which means that food is seeping out of your your the lining of your stomach is going directly into your bloodstream, which makes you sick. And um some people, a lot of people believe that you can, you know, you can seal the lining of your stomach. And there's a couple things you can do to do that. You know, one thing, of course, is eating a, you know, a healthy, clean diet based on organic foods. Um, you know, eliminating foods that have been used with, you know, growth hormones or antibiotics and things like that. Um, the other thing you can do, of course, is avoid grains. Um, there's a couple things that people take, though. It uh, will help the lining of your stomach. Of course, the first thing is bone broth because it's high in L-glutamine. L-glutamine is extremely good for the lining of your stomach. Um, another thing I believe, I, I can't confirm this, but I think that it would be good for the lining of your stomach would be collagen. Like I talked about earlier, it helps your nails. It helps your skin uh, become clear. It makes your pores tighter. It makes your, um, makes your hair stronger. And I would imagine that would be good for the lining of your stomach. I think, I swear by collagen. I think collagen is a very good, you know, very good thing for your body. They sell it in certain health food stores and things like that. I would highly recommend collagen if you're trying to seal the lining of your stomach. Um, another thing is, um, it is called slippery elm root. It's a root that grows from a tree. And supposedly... That will help the lining of your stomach. It'll help your, you know, help your your body heal the lining of your stomach. That's another thing that people try. Um, another thing that's really interesting that people swear by that helps the lining of your stomach is called um, marshmallow root. I don't know too much about marshmallow root, but supposedly it'll help the lining of your stomach. So I would recommend trying that. And for all these things, you want to try organic, you know, organic marshmallow root 
organic slippery elm root if you can find it it's very hard to find it sometimes unfortunately but those things supposedly will heal the lining of your stomach um another one is um it's called colostrum and this is going to be controversial to what i said earlier because before earlier in this podcast i would say that um you know you know dairy products and milk products can be very harmful to your body if you have some type of inflammatory bowel disease or some type of stomach problem. But uh, colostrum is basically milk that comes out of a cow. It's the first, uh, it's essentially, it's the first milk that the, the, the mother of the cow produces right after the baby is born or the second, you know, milk that comes out of the second line of, you know, milk that's squeezed out of the cow after the baby is born. And for whatever reason, this milk is extremely um, nutritious and um, it contains something that helps the lining of your stomach, supposedly. And like I said before, this is all hypothetical. I'm not a medical professional, but this is just what I've heard. And um, I've actually never had a chance to try organic colostrum. Uh, you, have probably some, you might have to order online. You might have to find it in a health store and you have to make sure that it's organic. But some people have taken this in a powder form. They've mixed it in water. And they have swear that this has helped the lining of your stomach. And, um, no, I would recommend trying this as well. Okay, good afternoon, everybody. I'm going to talk a little bit about a lot of different things in this podcast. The primary focus of this podcast is just going to be general wealth, health, and well-being and things of that matter. Uh, We're going to talk about an anti-inflammatory diet. We're going to talk about ways to lose weight. We're going to talk about you know, ways to keep your body in shape through exercise, you know, mental well-being, things of that matter. Um, just to give you a little bit of background information um, on me, uh, basically, I was uh, diagnosed with Crohn's disease when I was 19 years old. Um, I became very sick. I didn't know exactly what was wrong with me. I um, was in the hospital maybe, maybe several times when I was 19 years old. Um, it was a very scary experience. I was in, had extreme abdominal pain, extreme uh, stomach pain. I lost over, you know, 30 pounds in the hospital. I had a, a you know, a pick tube in my arm to make sure that um, I got nutrients pumped into my body because my body was rejecting food. Uh, it was very, very scary. I had to go on a lot of medications to uh, get my body back to health. It was a very scary situation. I didn't know exactly what was wrong with me. Um, you know, a lot of things led up to this, but, um, you know, I'm, st- I'm learning how to control this disease through diet. And there's actually people who have, quote unquote, healed themselves from Crohn's disease. And um, one of the ways, basically, long story short, Crohn's disease is just basically means that you have something wrong with um, your colon. It's typically the left side of your colon. And I'm not an expert on this. I'm not a medical professional. Um, so I will be careful about what I say. But um, it, uh, it's basically something that causes, you know, it's, it's something wrong with your intestinal lining in your stomach, usually in your colon, that uh, just causes your stomach and your body to reject food and things of that matter. And it just, um, it's, it's, it's an inflammatory disease, meaning it can affect any part of your body, unfortunately. It can cause any, any type of scar tissue or any type of any type of any type of um, injury in your body to really become inflamed and things of that matter, and um, it's a scary thing, but um, I've learned to control it. I've learned that it can be reversed. I don't look at, I don't look at myself as any type of victim or anything like that because 
It's not something that I was quote unquote born with, although people do believe that it's a genetic thing. Um, it can and it can't be. You know, it just depends on how you look at it. Um, you know, this would be a conversation you could have with a medical professional. For me, I think that it's more about exposure and things of that matter. It's, it's more about what happened to you in your lifetime. You know, what type of medications did you take? What type of food did you eat? Um, you know, how your body reacts to certain types of food and things of that matter. There's a lot of different ways to control this. And um, that's what I'm going to get into. A lot of anti-inflammatory foods and things of that matter. And ways to control Crohn's disease. And one of the good things, I mean, about having something like this, having some type of gastrointestinal disorder or something like that, having some type of, you know, stomach disorder or something like that, is you can actually learn to have a very, very healthy life through eating the right foods and things of that matter. And um, there's a couple of things I'll talk about, you know, uh, a lot of people that have Crohn's disease and things of that matter, they've quote unquote cured themselves through an alkaline diet. Um, and one of the best ways to do this is basically just making sure you have a diet that is based on, uh, you know, alkaline foods as opposed to acidic foods. And a lot of these foods include you know, dark green leaf vegetables, um, just vegetables in general, and um, things of that matter. And um, you have to be really cautious about the meats that you put into your body because this is a very controversial subject in the health world. You know, there's a lot of people that are vegetarian. There's a lot of people that are vegan. And um, there's a lot of people that, that uh, believe that being a vegetarian or a vegan is actually extremely dangerous for your body because... Your body's not going to absorb the right nutrients and things of that matter. And um, it just depends on how you look at it. Um, there are some people that went vegan or vegetarian and they became extremely ill. And they've had damage done to their body. And I can't, you know, say whether or not it was from becoming vegetarian or becoming a vegan. But I will say this. There are a lot of key nutrients in meat. And um, so I don't think that it's necessarily an unhealthy thing to eat meat. I just think that... Unfortunately, a lot of the, the meat that we eat nowadays is not organic. It's grown in industrial farms or, you know, just very overcrowded farms where there's a lot of antibiotics being fed to these animals. These animals are, are living under harsh conditions. Um, a lot of these animals are not eating, you know, foods that would cons consist of their natural diet. And unfortunately, this has a direct effect on us because if you eat that food, it's going to be consumed and processed in your body. And you're going to get a lot of the nutrients or whatever that animal is going under, whatever, whatever stress or whatever unhealthy living condition is going to be translated into the actual meat when you eat it, unfortunately. Like if an animal, let's say a cow, is being fed on a, um, you know, being fed on, on an antibiotic or something like that to prevent, you know, diseases spreading and throughout this very crowded, you know, farm or whatever, unfortunately, you're going to have some of those antibiotics in your body when you eat the food. And you'll notice if you eat meat that is not organic, um, sometimes you'll feel really sick. And I, I believe this is, you know, directly caused from these animals consuming uh, antibiotics and um, they're going directly into your body. That's just my theory. And there's a lot of evidence to back this up. Uh, you can watch the movie Super Size Me, uh, which is a movie based on a guy who, uh, you know, did a lot of research on how unhealthy fast food was, particularly certain places like McDonald's and things like that. And um, unfortunately, a lot of these foods are just, um, 
a lot of these foods are um, unhealthy that come from not just fast food, but from our grocery store. You know, I believe very strongly in, in buying organic foods. And just to be clear, just, just because a food is labeled organic does not necessarily mean that it's 100% safe. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, you know, food out there that can be spread through, um, can be spread into organic farms that is not necessarily organic. It doesn't mean if you eat organic, it's, you know, 100% perfect and there's no traces of anything, whether it's a pesticide or a genetically modified food or something like that. Um, it doesn't mean that it's 100% safe. It just means that they, they have to follow a lot stricter guidelines, usually under um, United States Drug Agency. So it's, it's a better bet to go with organic food. I, I really believe in organic food for the simple fact that at least the food is under stricter testing and it's, it's usually a lot healthier than eating non-organic food from the supermarket or wherever you get it from. So I highly recommend um, eating organic foods, particularly not, not just vegetables, but meats as well. The meats will be a lot healthier, a lot fresher. Um, now back to the anti-inflammatory thing. Um, people with anti-inflammatory problems should stay away from grains unfortunately, and this is one of the reasons why I think that I developed Crohn's diseases. I used to eat tremendous amounts of wheat. I used to eat wheat cereals, um, you know, wheat bread, things like that, and I thought that that was healthy, but what we're learning now in the health world is that wheat is actually not all that healthy. There's a lot of side effects to eating wheat. Wheat is an extremely inflammatory food, which means it causes swelling in your body, not for everybody, but for some people. And I think that's one of the reasons why I developed Crohn's disease at an early age was that I ate tremendous amounts of wheat. I also ate tremendous amounts of, I drank tremendous amounts of milk. And unfortunately, milk is, uh, it comes from a cow, obviously. Uh, most milk that we drink, unless you drink goat milk or something like that. But a lot of this milk, especially if it's not organic, it's coming from a source that probably has a cow that's been on a lot of antibiotics and is not under you know, very healthy health conditions and things like that for, you know, that would be equivalent to a cow living in its natural environment and things like that. So the milk that you're drinking is, uh, you know, might have antibiotics and other growth hormones and things that are added into that milk. And um, so that's one reason why I do not drink milk anymore. Um, another reason is a lot of people believe that milk is an inflammatory food, and I think it is. I don't think that every single person is uh, able to necessarily process milk. You know, that's why people are consider themselves quote-unquote lactose intolerant. I think that milk, a lot of people, their bodies reject milk. And uh, somebody had a good point. Uh, you know, I don't remember exactly who it was, but one person, you know, was saying that basically, you know, milk from a cow is designed to raise an animal that weighs probably at least 500 pounds, somewhere in between 500, maybe even 1,000 pounds. I couldn't tell you how much a cow weighs, but <clears throat> that milk is, design, is designed for um, an animal that's going to grow up to be 500 pounds or 1,000 pounds. And, um, you know, there's no reason why we should be drinking. That's one way of looking at it. I don't necessarily think that that's true, so to say, because, you know, milk is, can be skim. It can be completely, like, non-fat. So it's not necessarily, um, you know, that's not necessarily the best analogy but I just think that our bodies, you know, can reject milk. I don't think that milk is exactly good for you. In the anti-inflammatory community, anybody that follows, you know, a health diet, 
it's based on an anti-inflammatory diet. For somebody who has something like Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis or things like that, they will never recommend that you use any dairy products. And um, just for the simple fact that it's an inflammatory food. And um, I, I seem to think that that's very true because there's also a controversy in, I guess, I, I'll consider it, I'll call it the anti-inflammatory communi- community. That's, that's just what I'm going to call it for now for this podcast. People that follow anti-inflammatory diets or diets for people with gastrointestinal disorders or things like that. Um, it's, it's considered an inflammatory food. And some people think that goat milk is better than cow milk. Personally, I've, I think I've tried goat milk maybe once or something like that. But I think that, you know, at least for me, I think that our bodies reject milk. So I just try to stay away from dairy as much as possible. And uh, that's a good thing for anybody that has any type of GI disorder. I would recommend that you stay away from milk. So that's the first part of, you know, following an anti-inflammatory diet. I would, I would remove all milk products from your diet. Um, you know, the second thing is I would highly recommend eating um, organic meats, 100% organic meats. And once again, this does not necessarily mean that it's, you know, the purest meat on the face of the planet. It just means that, the you know, you have to follow stricter guidelines. And the meat is going to be a lot healthier, in my opinion at least, than uh, meat that is not organic in America from supermarkets and things like that. And um, one thing that I forgot to mention about uh, meat is that um, there's a big controversy about, you know, cows and things like that. Cow, cow meat, I guess you could call it beef or whatever you want to call it is that um, you know, a big thing that is coming out now is that cows are supposed to follow a grass-fed diet, obviously. They're supposed to, they're supposed to um, you know, only consume grass. And uh, unfortunately, on a lot of these farms, these cows are not always you know, consuming just grass. They're consuming grains. And um, this is bad for somebody that has an inflammatory disease or something like that, or somebody who's trying to follow an anti-inflammatory diet because... Like I mentioned earlier, grains are an inflammatory food. So this can be a problem because you're eating something from an animal that was consuming a grain, which is an inflammatory food. So a lot of times you'll see, you know, beef in the supermarket that is labeled 100% grass-fed. And um, that is why I would recommend, you know, using organic meat because for the most part, especially if you go to a place like a, a very good health store, you will see, um, you know, you if they have like a butcher shop there in a, in a very good health store, you'll see that they'll have meats that are 100% organic, and you'll see meats that say that they are 100% grass-fed. And I would highly recommend those type of meats. And those meats, for me at least, have done incredible things for my body. Um, they have, you know, helped increase my iron levels. They put a glow into my skin. Um, probably from the, you know, the collagen. Uh, collagen is basically the cartilage and things like that that comes off of animals and things like that. It's um, something that can strengthen your joints and it gives your skin a healthier look and um, it's it's very good for your body. And that could be one theory as to why it is put a glow to my skin. Um, it also could just be the iron level because if you're anemic, which means you have, you know, low iron level in your blood, your skin becomes very pale sometimes because you're not getting enough iron in your body. So when I eat meat, um, I do get a much better glow in my body. And um, one of the reasons why I think that beef, you know, particularly beef or red meat, essentially, it can be good for people's diets 
is that it is um it's it's something it has an iron level in it but the iron is something called i believe it's called a hemoglobin or something like that i'll have to look back into this but if you research this it basically means that your body will break down the iron much quicker and i believe i believe that's the correct terminology hemoglobin hemoglobin or something like that basically means your body absorbs the iron a lot easier than let's say a vegetable and um that's why that's one of the good things about meat is that meat can really help your iron levels in your body. Um, obviously, the negatives of meat are, um, you know, the negatives, you know, would be the trans fat, saturated fat and things like that. You have to eat lean meat. And, um, I would, you know, obviously, if you buy, you know, certain hamburgers and things like that that are, you know, 100 percent organic and for the most part, 100 percent grass fed, uh, you will see that they um they will help your body tremendously and things like that and it's just um it will help your body one of the negative things about meat is that one thing that i've noticed is that it, it causes a lot of phlegm production in your body and um when i eat a lot of meat it does make me produce a lot of phlegm and it makes me it makes it makes it harder for me to breathe so that is one of the negatives too about meat is that it um it produces a lot of phlegm in your body, unfortunately, you know, particularly red meat. And that's why a lot of people are vegan and vegetarian. A lot of people believe that certain foods will contribute to, you know, you know, phlegm in your body. And, um, you know, there's a doctor that everybody is interested in now that, um, that died, you know, I think maybe like 20 years ago, 20, 20 years ago, something like that. His name was Dr. Sevi. And, um, Obviously, there's a lot, a lot more to that story, but he was a, um, you know, he was like a natural doctor, and um, he believed in a alkaline vegan diet, and he believed that um, certain foods produce phlegm in the body. He more, more particularly, he believed that phlegm, you know, mucus was the cause of all diseases in the body, and you know, that's I don't know if that's true or not. Like I said before, I'm not a medical professional, but. Um, I think there's a lot of truth to that. So that's why I think a lot of people don't like meat is that it produces phlegm in the body and they believe that meat is fat. But like I said before, you can always get, um, you know, lean meat. And also there's something, you know, there's a difference in fats. You know, there's something called healthy fats. And that's a new thing that's coming up in a lot of these health diets nowadays is people um, believe in healthy fats. That's why you'll see, uh, I'll get into that in a second. There's a lot of healthy fats, meaning there's fats that your body, like your body needs fat to survive. Without fat, you know, we die. Our body has to have a certain level of fat and it's for our bodies to function and maintain. So I would recommend certain healthy fats. One of the quote unquote healthy fats would be coconut. You know, coconut um, has a lot of fat and a lot of saturated fat, but it's a healthy fat. And I, I'm not an expert on this subject, but, um, you know, I would believe that, um, Certain fats are good for your body. You know, another example of a healthy fat would be um, guac not guacamole, but um, avocados. And, uh, you know, essentially guacamole is when you mash it up or whatever. But avocado avocado is another healthy fat for your body. So uh, coconut, coconut uh, fat, um, avocado fat, those are two healthy fats. And um, that's why... I think that meat is not exactly that bad because even though, you know, fat, you know, meat from fat is considered one of the worst fats, 
I think that your body sometimes needs it to break down certain nutrients. And um, But whether or not you choose to eat meat or not, that's 100% your choice. Uh, some people can't tolerate meat at all. Um, I'm not going to bash anybody that is vegetarian or vegan. Um, and I'm also, I'm also not going to bash anybody that chooses to eat healthy meats and things like that. But um, it's something that should be researched. It's something that should be looked into. Um, it's something I would recommend everybody look into with, you know, either a natural doctor or a professional, you know, professional doctor or whatever type of doctor you want. But it's something that needs to be monitored because if you stop eating meat or, you know, things like that, you're, you're going to see sometimes a drop in certain vitamins in your body, particularly iron and things like that. So it needs to be monitored very, very carefully. And, um, you know, it's just because our bodies need each and every one of these minerals for our body to function. And if you if a vitamin level drops in your body, you're going to see an immediate change in your body immediately. So it's, it's very it's very important that you um, monitor all your vitamin levels. If you go from being a meat eater to going vegan or vegetarian all of a sudden. And um, there's a lot of natural plants that provide a lot of nutrients for our body. Um, I'm a big fan of eating green vegetables. I would recommend kale. Kale is an excellent food. Spinach is an excellent food. Both of these foods are high in iron. And um, it's not a hemoglobin, meaning your body's not going to necessarily process the iron as well as your body would with, let's say, a red meat. But nonetheless, there is iron in that food. And when I eat kale... I feel extremely I feel extremely good. I feel extremely healthy. And it's good for your digestion. It's great for people who have Crohn's disease or, you know, any type of inflammatory disease. For me, because I, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, what I do is I boil all of my meat, uh, excuse me, I boil all of my vegetables before I eat them. And I fought this battle for a very long time because I'm such a you know, want to be naturalist person. I was like, oh, well, I don't want to boil these these vegetables. That's you know, that's not a natural way to do things, you know, because a lot of people believe that, you know, um, you know, un unboiled, uncooked vegetables are healthier for you because they have more vitamins and nutrients, which is true because when you boil, you know, any type of vegetable, some of those vitamins are going to be evaporated through the water. It's boiling and they're cooking it. But once I finally accepted this and realized, you know, my body's not going to be able to process these uh, raw vegetables, like I, what I would do is I would eat these salads and I would eat all these raw organic, you know, vegetables, salads, and things like that. And then in my stools, you know, there'd be leaves everywhere and it would upset my stomach and I wouldn't feel good. And I fought this battle for almost, a, for almost two years, to be honest, because I'm just hardheaded. And then I finally started researching and realizing it's actually better to boil these vegetables if you have some type of stomach issue and your body's not processing food because you're not going to get those nutrients out of your body if, you know, every time you go to the bathroom, you're seeing leaves everywhere in your stool because your body should be digesting. It should be processing that. You shouldn't have leaves everywhere in your stool. So what I started doing is I started boiling all my green leaf vegetables, particularly kale, particularly spinach. Sometimes I'll get a spring mix, which contains, you know, one or two or three different uh, green leaf vegetables, sometimes arugula, uh, sometimes some type of other lettuce, um, sometimes spinach or kale or both of them mixed together. And I'll boil them for essentially 20 minutes and it breaks down. And then I take it a step further. I put it in a blender after it cools off. And when I put it in a blender, what that's doing essentially, it's, it's, you're, it's almost like pre-digesting your food, meaning it's already being ground up into a liquid. So it's a lot easier for your body to digest. 
you know, at first I did, you know, what I would do is I would put these raw vegetables into a blender and then I would drink them. And then I noticed it still made my stomach upset. And um, so what I started doing was I started boiling them and um, you're still getting nutrients from these vegetables if you boil them. Just because it's boiled does not mean that all the vitamins and nutrients are gone. It just means a little bit of the vitamins are going to evaporate, but you have to, you know, you don't want to cook your vegetables for an hour, obviously. You don't want to boil, you know, green leaf vegetables for an hour. You want to boil them for maybe 20 minutes at most. And that way, you know, it's cooked. Some of the fiber is cooked out and your body will, your body will uh, process these vegetables a lot better, especially if you have Crohn's disease or some type of other disorder. Now, if you don't have an inflammatory disorder, you know, and your body is doing well, you know, if you want to eat raw vegetables and put them in a blender or just eat them raw and your body digests them, that's great. And I'm, I wouldn't knock anybody for doing that. It just depends on how your body responds to these things. And um, I take it a step further after I cook it, I mix it with organic uh, coconut milk and um, coconut milk is a, is extremely good. I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but coconut milk and you know, coconuts is an inflammatory is an anti-inflammatory food, which means it'll stop swelling in your body. So if you drink these things, if you drink coconut milk, you're going to have um, you might have a, a nice reaction to this uh, liquid. And that's what happens to me when I drink coconut milk. My joints feel excellent. My um, my body feels excellent. My mind feels excellent because it's an anti-inflammatory food. And also, I don't know if I mentioned this. I probably did mention this, but green leaf vegetables are an anti-inflammatory food. So when you combine both of those in a blender after it's cooked and after it's been chopped up, you're going to see excellent results. You know, for, not for everybody. You know, certain people might be allergic to coconut milk. But for me, I, I saw excellent results, excellent, excellent results. And um, so that's something I would highly recommend for most people. Um, another thing that's nice about coconut is even though it's considered a nut, a lot of people are allergic to nuts. For me, I'm allergic to peanuts, so I don't eat, eat anything with peanuts in it. But coconuts are um, usually one of the easier nuts in the nut family for, you know, as far as allergies and things like that. Not, I haven't met too many people that are allergic to coconut. I think it's one of those foods that's probably has less of an allergic reaction for people. So I, I have a lot of positive things to say about coconut itself. And um, what's good about it too is if you buy, you know, coconut milk in the stores, a lot of times you can get fortified coconut milk, meaning they put other vitamins in there, maybe some zinc, maybe some iron. And it, because it's in a liquid form, usually your body will absorb it a lot better. So that's another bonus to uh, drinking coconut milk. And um, that's my theory on a lot of those things. And um, I guess bringing it back to Crohn's disease and things like that, um, a lot, you know, when, when, I, when I tell people, obviously I don't tell everybody in the world that I have Crohn's disease, but um, if I do feel a personal connection to somebody or somebody's telling me they have like a stomach issue, you know, I have no problem telling them about my experience and things like that. Uh, but one of the interesting things about Crohn's disease is that people immediately ask me, how does your stomach feel? How does your stomach feel? How does your stomach feel? And it's not all stomach pain from this disease, unfortunately. It's a lot of other, it's a lot of other things as well. Um, unfortunately, basically with Crohn's disease, you have microscopic holes in the lining of your stomach because you have uh, a piece of your colon that's kind of, uh, I, guess it's, I guess the word is a cystic, but it's just like you have an inflamed part of your colon. And a lot of times, you know, it'll... 
it'll develop, you'll develop cysts and that area of your colon will just be very inflamed and it'll usually look very ugly um, when you, when they, if you get a colonoscopy, they'll go inside your, you know, obviously they'll go inside your, your, your rectum and they'll put a microscope up there so they can see exactly what's wrong with your colon. And usually it'll be like a different color or it'll, it'll just look, it won't look healthy compared to the rest of your colon. So you can almost always see the infected part of your colon. But, um, so unfortunately you have microscopic holes in the lining of your stomach. So if you eat foods, uh, what happens is those foods go directly into your bloodstream. So, you know, and it's, it's actually, that's why Crohn's disease can affect your joints so much. So like I was saying before, people always ask me how my stomach feels. It's not usually my stomach that hurts, it's my joints, particularly my left side of my joint, my SI joint, which is the joint that connects your hip to your leg. That's the joint that becomes very inflamed sometimes because it's cracked. And um, I don't know exactly how it was cracked. It could have been from sports, but I think it's from Crohn's disease. I think it's from eating too many inflammatory foods. I think that those foods um, put a lot of stress on my joints. Like I ate a lot of wheat when I was younger. I used to eat like a whole loaf of wheat bread a day. I used to um, eat like a whole bowl of wheat cereal and things like that with milk, of course, which I talked about is another inflammatory food that might have hormones and antibiotics in it. And, um, you know, if you combine all those things, unfortunately, that can stress out your joints, that can contribute to Crohn's disease and things like that. And um, on top of that, when I was younger, I had a lot of depression. That's another thing I want to talk about in this podcast. I, I mentioned that when I started this podcast is depression can have a direct relationship with any type of inflammatory disease. Uh, depression causes inflammation in your body. It can cause your joints to hurt. It can cause your head to hurt. It can cause your body to shut down. It can cause you to break out in acne, particularly in your chest, sometimes on your face. Uh, depression is a real killer. It's a silent killer in your body, and it can contribute to a lot of uh, different health problems in your body. And I never knew this when I was growing up. I was like, oh, you know, depression is nothing. It just uh, it just affects your head or whatever, but your body is fine. And that's not how it works, unfortunately. It can destroy your whole body slowly, slowly, slowly. So, you know, if you have some type of disease like that, Make sure you surround yourself with good people, positive energy, and find things that make you happy in life. And don't stress out too much because stress and anxiety and things like that can have a direct relationship on an inflammatory disease. It can cause your body to swell up. Um, it can cause your stomach to hurt and things like that. So, and even if you don't have an inflammatory disease, you know, try to stay away from, you know, unhealthy, negative people. Try to avoid unnecessary stress in your life. And we'll get a little bit into that more in this podcast. But um, those are certain things that I would recommend. Um, you know, there's something, there's a, there's a phrase that people always say. They say, oh, well, stay away from this person. He's bad for my health or she's bad for my health. And that's a figure of speech, but it's actually a very true thing. If you're around negative energy, people that stress you out and make you angry and upset, that's going to have a direct relationship on your health sometimes, especially if you have an inflammatory bowel disease or some type of inflammatory disease like that. It's going to have a direct relationship on your health. So do your best to surround yourself with good people, positive energy, and things like that. And I know this world is tough. I know sometimes we have to work jobs that we don't like. We have to deal with people at our jobs that we don't like. We have family members that stress us out. We have relationships that stress us out. You know, life is not easy. It's not always clear cut. But um, sometimes you have to do what's best for you. And you have to try to make healthy decisions. And... um so try to, you know, that's, that's a big part of these diseases too, is stay away from negative energy. Unfortunately, I can't change the past. 
I can't help that I was really depressed when I was younger and that that may have contributed to my health being shut down. But what I can do is I can change the future and I can do things to make myself you know, healthy and happy now. You can always come out of depression. And, um, you know, like I said before, I'm not a medical, I'm not, excuse me, I'm not a medical professional. And um, if you have depression, I would recommend seeing a doctor. But be very careful about, um, you know, just going 